0: Welcome to Founding Impact, where we talk about impact startup ecosystem in Europe. I'm Maciej Gałkiewicz.
1: And I'm Kasia Zalewska. We are Impact Angel Investors from Ragnarsson. Hello guys. Welcome back to um, Founding Impact. Today with us is Leon Reiner from Impact Hub Berlin. Uh, hi Leon, welcome.
2: Hey guys. Thanks for the invitation. Hello, hello. It's great to be here.
1: Thank you. It's super great to, to have you here and uh, we have so many things to discuss uh, too, so uh, let's start. Um, and I would like to start a little bit your, with your history because you've been uh, in Berlin scene uh, impact scene active for like 10 years now, even more probably. Yeah. Uh, and you've seen how it w- how it grew, how it begin, uh, began, so I would like to, to understand more or got your uh, point of view how did the ecosystem look like when it started the, the impact one, uh, and how did it change uh, in in the years that you observe it
2: sure happy to um yeah it's right it's about ten years now, crazy to think about it um, uh, I came to Berlin after having studied development aid and economics and realizing I didn't want to go like abroad and tell other people how other countries how to do their stuff I, th- I felt there's enough stuff to do in germany and i was lucky enough to get an internship uh an unpaid one of that uh in the first kind of uh, incubation program for for social entrepreneurs here in berlin and actually in the german-speaking region um and it was a classic story i went for like a three-month internship I thought like I had everything saved up for you know traveling the world afterwards and everything ready and then after three months I got offered a job and I stayed in Berlin and that's 10 years later now I I never I never got to do that did you uh, go for this three-week travel I I never did I actually invested the money in my first company and now it's it's just there (laughs) (laughs) Um, so uh, so what happened yeah when I came and that's already what I said I mean um, when I was in university, no one would ever know what social entrepreneurship or impact even is. I mean, that's even a new word. Um, I can still remember trying to find a professor at my university, two universities in Vienna that I studied at um, because I wanted to write about social entrepreneurship, but there was just no one who even knew what it is. So they were all wondering, you know, what the hell are you talking about? I finally found someone who was interested in concept and was like, hey, write it. So ultimately after having, been your kind of supervising professor, I'll know what it is, so I did that. And then looking for a job in that field was really hard because there was no one doing it. In Germany, it was Ashoka that was like, I don't know, maybe two years old at the time, super, super early stage, but also super small and, you know, uh, getting into that was, was not possible because they were just not offering internships even. And there was this one other company, which was called, at the time, it was called Social Impact Lab. Today, it's called differently. Yeah. And and that already tells you kind of like how the scene looked. Uh, The concept was still very unknown. Um, I think in general, it was looked up on very critically from both sides, be it like the startup side, they looked at it as like, ah, it's these kind of like weird, want to improve the world people that. Are not really serious about startup but you know mainly kind of like hippy dippy but a little bit of business but you know not too serious and the other side like you know the activist side would look at it as like this these really bad people that are trying to like monitor monitorize like activism (laughs) so from both sides you would be like the idiot really um so and, and and i think that was a sentiment also in the beginning of starting my 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 company that a lot of times you would either talk to the foundation and they would be really really worried that you know you us being like impact hub being like a, a gmbh the so for-profit legal form like we and then like we can't do that and are you gonna like earn money with us and like how are we gonna support this and on the other hand like the for-profit side being very critical about you know but you're not really looking to like make you know great margins and what's your irr this is ridiculous like you know so this classic paradigm of being in between the chairs and i think this was very true for the scene so i came to berlin i was in the moment kind of the first incubation program started there was a little bit of a there was nothing at events the scene was so small that it literally fit into one room Um, and i can still remember meeting so many people back then that today are in the you know in various positions or have started early social entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. ventures i mean better place was a big name that back then also had just started. I actually also applied for an internship there. That was kind of the one other opportunity there was. um, But that was it. Like there was nothing. And all the things that started were literally, I mean, getting funding was so, I mean, it's still hard, but back then it was so hard because again, like every investor you would meet, would would just tell you, you know, who are you and what kind of what kind of idea is that to like not wanting to maximize profit. I'm an invite like what kind of idea is that? Um so so that was the scene. And I feel over the years what has happened is I think, and many people who will listen to this podcast obviously know that. I mean they're coming to an impact to to founding impact podcast. But it's taken taken a foothold and it's become more and more clear that sustainability is something that becomes more and more relevant, interesting. We have a lot of great examples globally, but also locally around, you know, specifically sustainability. Um, I think there's a whole scene around impact investing. It's still not easy. It's still hard. It's probably still harder than if you go out with a unicorn story, but there is a proper scene. There is places like Impact Hub, like Social Entrepreneurship Network Deutschland, like Ashoka, like many impact funds that are now in Berlin that you can actually go to and talk to. There's lots of conferences that happen around the topic in Germany and internationally. So I would say it's grown very, very drastically. And looking forward, it does look like it's continuing to do that and even getting faster and Fast like bigger, faster, I would say, and um, specifically at the intersection of technology and impact
0: maybe before we dive a bit deeper into what what is now and what what can happen in the future, I'm always really curious about the motivation of of people to going into a specific space and what actually pushed you to to be in the impact space
2: um, yeah, I think for me, my parents are both entrepreneurs, small-scale my dad is a doctor, but he has his own practice. My mom has always run shops and several, and I was at university and I studied both at politics part of the university, um, which was very leftist, you know, reading Marx, reading like, you know, very critical theory, Loden. And I also went to the economics university in Vienna, which is very like neoliberal, macroeconomics, accounting, you know, everyone looks exactly like in a book when you when you or when google when you type in you know uh BWL student uh like you know economic student that, that that's how everyone would look mainly mainly men and so i would go between these two worlds of like the you know the 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 shirt wearing uh uh the shirt wearing dudes studying uh economics and the the rasta the rasta wearing critical theory dudes at politics. So that's how I studied. And 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 for me, it was always the question like how to get this together. And I was always doing my own vent, like little ventures and projects to earn money during university. And then at some point it's was like, like, how can you get this together and like not always be the, the idiot from for both sides? And I guess social entrepreneurship was that solution for me. It was like, ah, cool. Like at first it was fair trade before social entrepreneurship was like, ah, that's cool. That's also kind of combining the two sides a bit and then it was kind of with Movement Yunus getting to know about um, social entrepreneurship and then that came along and I think I always had the feeling it's kind of best of both worlds um, being able to kind of fulfill a really cool purpose for yourself and society and at the same time be entrepreneurial and really build something that can stand on its own and I think that was always the motivation. Um, Yeah and even when I started like an internship at an incubator, it was with 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 eyes on like hey like i'm going to see a lot of like team start so i'll learn a bit how that works i already quit after one and a half or two years which was a bit too fast i guess should have learned a bit longer but that's how it goes
0: uh, i my next question was going to be why why you wanted to be the idiot uh, in the middle uh but you explained it very well uh so basically <laughs> the the background you had <laughs> and and your studies uh, so, maybe going a bit more into the direction of collaborating with uh, with others uh you've been doing this for years. you have lots of experience uh, in this sphere uh, with all sorts of organizations and people and it would be really curious to know what do you think are the unobvious do's and don'ts that are uh, that you learned over time when it comes to collaborating with people all sorts of people and and organizations
2: um, yeah it's a- it's a great question. Um, I mean, collaboration for me is a very central topic. Um, I feel specifically in the impact space, it's it's one of the, if not the, key lever for success. And this is, you know, visible throughout my work at Impact Hub, but also outside of it. Um, but collaboration okay. is a very complicated and challenging. Thing.
0: Can you can you maybe tell us what, what do you mean by collaboration? Because I mean sure. probably everyone understood what collaboration <laughs> yeah. is, but uh, if we kind of under.
2: Uh... I mean at the uh, at the I mean at the core it means like looking at problems together and trying to solve them together. And then ideally, when when it's about collaboration, at least in my, with my point of view, it's like together always means like from different viewpoints, people and stakeholders that are relevant and are motivated about a central challenge, but who are looking at it with different kinds of eyes and with different kinds of skills speaking of you know looking at a challenge like climate change with like startup eyes corporate eyes foundation eyes government eyes research eyes and then really not only looking at it together analyzing it together but understanding that actually working on a solution together is a whole different quality of like exchange and actually making it happen. I, f- I always feel like an idea is worth 20%. So you can like sit together in this kind of diverse group and have an idea, but it's worth so much less than actually. And that's what collaboration is, building something together. Um, and, and that's what it is for me. Um, it means really like working on solutions in these kind of multi-sector, um, different background kind of settings. And regarding do's and don'ts, um, Obviously, there's lots to say about that, but maybe some short ones. I think, I think do's. I, I think it's really daring to do it. I think specifically when you're, you know, you know, starting as a as a as an entrepreneur, it's sometimes a really early question that you have is like, you know, I have this great idea, but you know, whom should I tell about it? Because I don't want it stolen. I think that's the obvious one that that people have. Um, and and my experience with this is just usually. in in nine out of 10 cases, those entrepreneurs who talk about their idea a lot with a lot of people are the ones who become successful because usually an idea, many people, if it's a good idea, probably several people have it at the same time because it's just what the current situation in the world kind of tells you. Ultimately, success will be with the one who has the best collaborators and will execute best. So, So I think... This question is always one of like sharing.
1: So first do is talk to people, simply saying. Uh, The more people you talk to, the better.
2: I would say so. Um, And and, and talking about it is the first step towards collaboration because that's when you find out who actually is interested, genuinely interested and wants to support. So find out who wants to collaborate with you. But then there's an important step that many people often forget, and it's a tough one. It's like, find out with whom collaborating actually makes sense. Because just because someone wants to support you or wants to work with you, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good idea. And that's what's often misunderstood. Just because I say collaboration is at the at the core of what I do does not mean that everyone who offers me help or who offers to work with me, I need to say yes to. Um, and I think, this is something again like then often that, that feels strange like i talk about collaboration all the time but probably again like, not, like nine out of ten times i will say no <laughs> because it's it's you know it's it's not a perfect fit the person understands the problem differently there's many reasons i i just I, i'm not on the same wavelength we don't like each other who knows you know there's many <laughs> reasons for that so find the people that you want that you could be collaborating with but then also critically decide with whom it actually makes sense for the right reasons, and and that's really often really difficult, um, and it's a and it's also there is not like a formula for that. Again, like it's often also
0: related to trial and error. Mm-hmm. So you need to know, uh, you need to be open to speaking with people. You need to know who is actually a good fit. Uh, are there any other? Um, problems or um, challenges that the ecosystem faces uh, that you that you think are per- particularly important in, in the context of collaboration
2: um I, I think one, one maybe one last thing I, I think actually defining exactly what you're trying to solve is is really really important in the whole process so having that kind of very specific challenge because obviously doing about climate change I'll find a lot of people who want to work with me But it's way too general. Like I cannot make a decision around like who to work with, how to work with, et cetera, how to collaborate on this. So really kind of having that challenge, deciding who exactly is out there and then deciding like whom of those people am I going to work with? And then being very diligent about that collaboration. It's not like it's something that actually requires a lot of work, a lot of communication, a lot of very open communication about like what I need, um, how this comes together. And I think this is something you really need to learn. Uh, I would say it's an entrepreneurial skill that you have to build. and I do think it's something that's that's undervalued um, in the current discussion about you know building a startup because oftentimes it's a lot about you know defining a USP, being very very often also very IP driven and very you know closed about what you're doing. It's often about kind of the unfair advantage that's heralded very strongly, um, and and I feel often you. It's underscored how important it is, specifically in the sustainability world, to collaborate and find out exactly whom, with, and how to do that successfully. And I think this is a journey that's often also different for different kind of topics, startups, and them- thematics.
0: I, I think I can I can add from our side that I we also perceive it on a daily basis. Like many times we get requests from people, and those requests are pretty vague. Uh, well maybe some support maybe some collaboration maybe some partnership maybe some mentoring Uh, sometimes it's more specific like why don't you why wouldn't you help us with with our software Uh, but still like the vagueness of it makes it very difficult to say are we even able to to help and the more vague it is the the less likely it is that that we will have the time to respond because obviously the volume is usually high uh so on one hand, I understand that those people are not exactly sure what it is that they need, and they are kind of trying to to touch different people, get in touch with them, and 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 get their opinions. But uh, yeah, in practice, the, the the word is full of noise, and there is no much not not enough time to kind of speak with everyone and then and help them specifically to, to narrow it down. Uh, but I I definitely feel it uh, as as well on our end.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, we also have actually uh, a history here because we get an opportunity to collaborate on one big project together, right? So I, I have That's like true. a full full belief uh, in your capabilities to, to run this big collaboration. Actually, that was a huge one, Via Versus Virus, So one of the biggest one in Germany, right? So uh, I'm curious, like, I know this one was successful, but uh, probably you had also some uh, <laughs> less uh, funny stories uh, in, up in your sleeve. Um, there are often like things that you mentioned are very important and not having them might be the reason to, to, for the collaboration to fail. But uh, do you have also some stories maybe like uh, warnings what to avoid uh, in order to make sure there's a chance of success um, for collaboration? Yeah.
2: Um, so maybe we've definitely had the story of running, um, also kind of like a hackathon like setting, obviously, you know, was as far as was humongous with like 30,000 participants. Mm-hmm. And this was a very, a, a lot smaller uh, setting with, you know, uh, students, but also like early stage entrepreneurs. There was a large, a large corporate, uh, that was in search of some solutions. And it was very clear that um, they were looking to find some solutions and, and we did make clear that you know, it, if they would pick something, we would expect they would be working on that solution together with the group that had come up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also clear that it would be something for that partner and we then had the case that obviously uh, one team um, had an idea the partner wanted to do it but at some point the team suddenly decided not it didn't want to do it anymore and a while later we found out the partner did it anyway and this led to a big fallout uh, between us the team of participants as well as the partner and it's obviously a worst case scenario you know um the overlying story being that obviously the partner stole the idea and then built it. The partner said, well, it's not true. We had like something very similar already in our pipeline. Um, we would have wanted to work with the team, but they didn't want to. And the team saying, you know, they've deprived us of our opportunity for the you know startup of our lives. Um, worst case scenario. So what's the learning from that? So f- for us, the learning was be a l- even more diligent about like setting expectations with all sides. Um, and we do that now a lot more. Um, many listeners will now think, "Yeah, but why didn't you like contractually secure that?" There's a lot of detail to that, but but generally, our learning is that in the, in these kinds of early stage cases, there's hardly anything you can do as long as there's no IP, you can't do anything really contractually. So it's really about building that trust and that expectation. But also with the team, I mean, obviously, if you go to like a corporate-sponsored event, which is about idea generation, and it you know there is. There, there there is a framing around, hey, this corporate wants ideas. I mean, what are you like you should be expecting that to happen and wanting that to happen. If you don't want that to happen, you should not attend. Um, and And I think this kind of clearly setting expectations is is immensely important. Um, and it's definitely something that we've totally messed up here. Um, and the bigger collaboration settings get, viewers of virus is a great example. The more complicated and work intense this gets, you know, for the for this humongous thirty thousand people hackathon with like following up with, what was it like hundred thirty teams, and then like and you guys helped us like really supporting really strongly ten teams uh, with, with tech with tech knowledge. When you when it gets to that scale. The amount of work that's involved to make that happen it's it's just really really crazy <laughs> um and and being aware that this is really something that you can't be doing on the side, not only in that big scale but also like 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 scaling that down all the way to like if you're just a startup looking for collaborators or like you guys an investor looking for collaborators, just realizing it's something that I need to set time aside for if I want it to work in my favor. And I think that's that's one of the key learnings uh, that that we had, or that I always have.
1: Yeah, I that, that's a good uh, good. Uh, I fully agree with uh, with the learning because that's also something that we apply in reality in our work because we also believe that when it comes to the impact or sustainable uh, scene. Um, the collaboration between the, the all the stakeholders like us investors, startups, uh, other players like accelerators or prog- programs etc. It requires this cooperation even on the very basic level. So for us part of our work is not only investing in startups or supporting founders that we invested into but also spend part of our time Offering in a way to our partners, like for example accelerators, we know that we have to spend some time to give away, to support the ecosystem, to support partners, because only when we work together we can deliver something bigger than just you know focusing on the small small aspects of of what we do. Yeah. So I, I fully agree with you that uh, we we it took us a little a little time actually to to get to the point of understanding okay. A part of what we do, we need to secure some time to make sure that we have this time to offer to our partners uh, to make the collaboration more successful, right? So, so that's that's how we apply it in practice. <laughs> the rule that you just mentioned,
0: which which brings us to the concept of uh, partnership ready, something that we uh, discussed uh, briefly before the recording. Uh, partnership ready, as opposed to being investment ready uh this one of your uh i don't know philosophies that that you that you use uh, on a daily basis could you could you explain us a bit uh, yeah. what, what do you mean by that yeah happy to
2: i mean we we work a lot with collaboration it's one of our three key values like trust collaboration coverage even as a global network uh, of you know impact hubs around the world uh and um here in berlin we we work a lot in acceleration, so supporting startups impact startups and, uh, and we thought or for for quite some years we've we've operated under what's you know the normal the norm amongst accelerators, which is you know the ideal way is you go to an accelerator, you get investment ready, and then you find an investor and you are invested, and then you grow and then you exit um and then in the past years, obviously, like so many others, we've started to question you know, how successful is that model really? And is this really the right way to go? And we also looked kind of at the startups we had in our various accelerators and we wondered, like, is that actually the success case in our, like, actual experience? And we realized it's not. Like, we realized that most of the time, the startups that were really successful were the ones who entered into kind of, partnerships with strategic partners, had a first like really big deal maybe with a larger company if it was a B2B business, or sometimes they they did work with, with an investor, but then oftentimes also with another kind of important supporter. Um, and, and we kind of realized, hmm, it's interesting that you create an accelerator and probably because for a long time accelerators were financed and done mainly by investors, they, you know, they use this as, you know, creating great pipeline for the investments. But we're not an investor. Uh, For us, it's about the success of the startups. So we thought, hmm. really, when we look at what we experienced, the the most success we see is with those who are really, really great at getting the right partnerships, the right collaborations going. Um, And, and this, this was like, actually, in the year in 2020, uh, this is kind of when we started really thinking about that, also like in the aftermath of V versus Virus and the whole work we did there. And we really started thinking like, okay, what does that mean for us when we when we design new programs? And we, we now as Impact Hub want to create a specific programmatic approach that we call Impact Ecosystems, which is really, really geared towards creating partnerships between startups in the pre-seed and seeds phase and Important partners which can be investors, which also can be like strategic investors, like corporates or SMEs or foundations or research institutions, because for different startups, different kinds of partnerships at that phase can be super relevant. And and that's why we said, okay, what we need to achieve with the startups is not investor readiness, because this is only one of the relevant stakeholders you might want to partner with, but it's partnership readiness to be really able to create great partnerships that help you grow as a startup with these other stakeholders. And that means also being able to provide value to not only an investor by growing in valuation, but also, for example, to an SME or corporate partner by creating a proof of concept with them or with a research institution, because they're able to kind of look at some uh, uh, some super interesting hypothesis together with you that help you and them um, them in great publications and you in a you know validated um, offering um so that's what we're kind of looking at now we're still learning what that means really um but it definitely means that you know we we have matching events for example not only with investors but we also have matching events with with SMEs and startups it's we proactively invite into our ecosystems research institutions we proactively invite also civil society organizations who can you help, help you understand problems so so this is kind of now something that we really want to understand better and take into the future as something that we really do differently in supporting impact startups versus a classic growth oriented, like hyper growth oriented tech startup maybe.
0: And uh, do you think it's applicable to a specific, uh, to, to startups in a specific stage or it's it works for more or less everyone? I
2: think it's a very good question. I, I do think, um, to, to partner with certain stakeholders, you need to have a certain stage. So, for example, to really work with a corporate on a on a on a proof of concept, you have to have a certain like a like a good understanding. You have to have a working prototype. You have to have like a pretty much a team in place. So, you can't be like too early. You need to be at a certain stage. So, kind of like roundabout seed stage, pre seed seed stage. You can't. You you need to have more than an idea. An idea. You need to have you know a proof like a proven idea ideally some first customers so it it doesn't start like it doesn't really work all the way in the beginning and then it gets easier and at some point you you know you you know what you have like you have your market fit you know exactly what you're doing and then it's more about kind of sales and partnership partnerships in terms of sales so i think it best works in that mid section pre seed to seed Um, But it's relevant for all other stages as well. But that's at least our current hypothesis. Maybe in one year I can say something different when we've learned a bit more.
1: When you talk to founders, um, do you see that, maybe in other way, uh, ask the question, do you think it's something that you can learn to collaborate with people, or it's uh, because I, I see it sometimes it might be a problem in the mindset, like instead of focusing on growth and uh, revenue, etc., you can achieve your goals in a different way, finding the right partners. Is it something that it could be taught to founders that there is another way for you to go? And if yes, uh, are you doing that? How? <laughs> <laughs> Where to look for like some I don't know tips how to yeah. how to make it work.
2: It's a super good question. Um, I mean, the hypothesis. I, I think part part um, like with entrepreneurship. I mean, there's been a lot of people saying you can learn entrepreneurship. There's other people say you can't. I would always say it's like there's truth truth in both things. Obviously, there's some people for whom it's easier uh and there's other people for whom it's harder and i would say the same for collaboration i mean for some people it's something that's a lot easier and and for whatever reasons how they grew up the kinds of studies they did you know how much have they learned about this before even if it didn't have that name tag on it um and how much not and kind of what what kind of like norms and and, and mindset do you currently have i mean if you have a mindset that's not very you want to do your own thing want to do your own thing obviously it's harder for you but generally i do think it's something you can learn um and and maybe it's nothing that you can read in the book but that you have to learn by doing do we know how to teach it i don't think we know it yet no um, we're trying to find out actively um it's i mean we're building that in all the curriculums of the current like programs that we that we run or develop um um but it's that de- like we're definitely not there, um, and it's it's also always not that. I mean, it's it's hard to learn, and it'll take some time. You can't just like sit down, read twenty books, create a session on it, and then run the session, and then say, okay, it worked. Um, I would say that's definitely our. I think it's more kind of an ambition. I think I believe you can teach it. Um, I believe it's learning by doing, and by supporting startups in our ecosystems to to do that. I think we also learn what works best in in supporting and helping them learn, and this is something that we want to kind of build out in the in the next couple of years.
0: It really got me thinking about this 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 thing because to me it's like a paradigm shift from we can raise a lot of a lot of money and then spend spend it on everything, and this is kind of the measure of our success. And there is still years, 10 years to go before we break even. And then you you say something completely, maybe not completely opposite, but like looking at it from a very different perspective of if you're not able to collaborate with people, then no matter how much money you have, it's not the measure of your success. Do you think this is specifically important for the impact space because of the complexity of the problems or um, it's also like something that uh, a broader ecosystem of startups should consider?
2: I mean, first off, I think I'm. I don't want to always like have like you know one zero. You know, it's not that mm-hmm. investment is not important because obviously you know building a product strategically, being able to strategically hold the line for for a certain amount of time till something actually works or breaks even is really important. So it's it's not that it's not, but I do feel this kind of approach of exact like the the extreme hypergrowth approach of like just throwing money at something until it works i think first of all it it's not very i i, w- I w- it's it's definitely an approach that assumes that there is a winner takes it all market because otherwise yeah. it will not pay off and i do fundamentally believe that the problems that we face in sustainability are not a winner takes it all market To come back to the example, climate change is not a winner-takes-it-all market. There will not be one company that solves climate change. That's a stupid, stupid thought. Um, You can hear a great TED Talk by me in sometime in the future that's called Can One Company Save the World? Um, And that also goes into that direction. So I fundamentally believe that because of the complexity of the problems um, and the kind of markets these problems create equality, Climate change um, and and problems alike there's not a winner takes it all market, and that means that fundamentally that you need a lot more solutions and that again means that these solutions need to grow in a different way and and I, I do feel that collaboration is one key building block in that different way of growing um, it 's also not ne- it 's also about growing and becoming successful because you want solutions to be used by as many people as possible. Um so I think that is one key building block. I'm sure there's others, but it's the one that we're currently looking at hard trying to find out how we can really leverage it. And it's it's really what we're building our 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 latest uh we're spending all of our our growth capital on 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 going into that direction. This it, this is our core belief. And if it doesn't work out, then also my company will not work out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's it's great to hear in your answer like how you balance the things. Um, like it's going into one extreme is is no good, and uh, it's exactly what you said about the be- uh, at the beginning about maybe not being like an activist purely and not maybe being just this bloody um, capitalistic company, but something in between. And I think it's present also in 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 your uh, thoughts about about different things. Um, cool uh, maybe just going a bit uh, back to uh, to what you do professionally um and specifically to impact hub berlin uh i know that you're about to open a new much larger space uh uh and uh also increase the the, the amount of members so it would be really great to uh, hear a bit more what was the motivation behind it and what's the v- vision for the future uh for this ecosystem in in berlin yeah Um, Yeah,
2: thanks for the question. Yeah, it's a really exciting time for Impact Hub in Berlin. Um, So maybe just for the listeners really shortly, Impact Hub is a global network of uh, communities, spaces that center around impact and innovation. So in a hundred places around the world, there's a co-working space, an amazing community of people of different backgrounds working on impact startups and impact innovations at large. And there's always a team that helps them. And here in Berlin, we started uh, yeah something like seven eight years ago and um in the past two years we've uh developed um a new a new space a new location for ourselves with three and a half thousand square meters in the middle of Neukölln, um the former Kindle brewery in collaboration with a large foundation and um a a um a cooperative setting um and uh, we we will have a thousand square meters of labs and maker spaces. Uh, and two and a half thousand square meters of offices, co-working, you know, restaurant um, and everything that you wish for, all only for impact entrepreneurs, specifically around four topics, uh, sustainable food, circular economy, uh, diversity and inclusion, as well as um, uh, green tech, climate tech. and we're actually only a few weeks away from opening. It's very exciting times. Corona has made this very tough for us. Um, as anyone could imagine, also raising the money to actually build this whole thing and get this going in 2020, in the year of corona, was not easy. Some people might have thought we we're a bit crazy, opening a 3,500 square meter <laughs> space and financing it in a year where everyone went home uh, to work from home and fully remote. Um, and a bit more to that later, but generally it's opening soon um we're still happily accepting members. Anyone who will kind of work from who will be invited to work from there uh will do so uh when they are kind of impact focused ideally from the four kind of topical areas that I just mentioned uh in the first round, all the offices are sold or and ready to go lots of amazing and super cool companies that I love to. Uh, name but won't all be able to name right now moving in uh, and then in late summer we're opening another kind of like 15 20 offices um, uh, right next door and maybe one special thing about this whole thing it was the opportunity to really open a space that for us means walking the talk because the full space is built 100 percent sustainable with a very very high um, um, amount of reuse materials. So we're actually using the circularity approach on this building and it's one of the biggest projects like this in Europe. Um, it was a big experiment. It also was very complicated, but now it looks really nice. So come by and look at it once it's done in the next couple of weeks. Um, so that was a huge crazy journey. Um, our old space was 600 square meters so it's also growth by six fold for us. And it's fully circular and all of the energy we want to we run it ultimately zero waste and as, as sustainable as possible. So all of this is definitely a big bet on, on space and again on collaboration because we really believe people are ready to make certain compromise in terms of the size of their office to be in a place where they can collaborate with others and where they actually also pay a premium for being helped in collaborating. So there will obviously be events. There's a community team that connects you to others. There's an online platform where you can connect to others. It's also interlinked with the global Impact Hub community. So that's a big bet on one collaboration again. And it's a big bet on the belief that even in the most digital of times and in the most remote of times, you will still need the real life component Probably not as much anymore. So, but but it's still kind of very very crucial. So we have a lot of kind of companies that have said, "Hey, for us it's fine to like we're thirty people, but we're fine taking like a ten people office, uh, and we'll rotate. And if so, if we need a bit more room, we'll just take you know spots in the co-working, um, and to, and we'll use the the you know we'll we'll use the meeting rooms. But we kind of more have a rotational principle. By that we're saving some money." And we're making our, our teams kind of collaborate with the rest of the Impact up community. Uh, and we see that as a real benefit for everyone in our team uh, and for us as a company. And I think so far that's, at, I mean, it, everyone so far, like all the offices are rented out, so everyone has <laughs> bought into it so far. So we'll see how that works out, but we have a lot of experience in making that happen. Um, yeah, so it's very exciting. And then also we're fundraising to create these kind of impact ecosystems that I talked about. So we're looking for, Um, innovation and uh, strategic foundations and innovation like SMEs and corporates who are interested in coming into these like fundamentally big challenges to collaborate with startups, impact innovators, and then actually create these kinds of collaborations that we feel are so powerful.
1: Well, uh, expect us to visit uh, sometime soon, whenever it's open. (laughs) Uh, I'm really curious to see uh, the full circular zero waste uh, space you've mentioned and of course met uh, all the all the startups so we're going to be there um yeah so uh, it's really i think i agree with you that even in this most digital times uh, we will come back to this face to face meetings i kind of miss them sometimes i think it, there is a space for that so uh Cool, cool direction and great that uh, people uh, don't didn't uh, lose hope on the uh, going out of home approach and working from home is not the only way to go.
2: I think it's just going to be different in the future, right? I mean, maybe, you know, you, I mean, it is great to work from home, but maybe not five days, di- maybe not five <laughs> days a week, but only like two or three, <laughs> um, depending on what phase I'm currently in. Um, so, I, So I think it's just approaching it differently, not trying, maybe not trying to go back to exactly what we used to have because that we're all, like, I don't need to travel to London for, for a 30-minute meeting anymore. Um, but then also not going into that bubble in your living room that you can't get out of anymore and not seeing people face-to-face at all. So again, I'm in that space that, that Martin mentioned of like being in between, like, you know, I think it's, it's, and the space is, I bet on that, like there will be this place in between of having a great community and a great place that I come to regularly, but maybe not necessarily every single day. Um, and there's also times and tasks that are well situated at home. And maybe I want to have one day where I clean my flat in
0: between and make, you know,
2: <laughs> do the dishes <laughs> sometime while I'm on a call.
0: I have this, uh, this feeling that... Um the motivation behind being at the office uh, these days is slightly different than it was before. So before the pandemic, like I think I I, I have this opinion that like big big companies wanted to have people in place to be more productive. That was the motivation. And then it wasn't possible. Then they realized, oh, the hybrid mode or even staying at home is somewhat productive, sometimes even more productive. And now we are more in the space of, okay, it's productive, but maybe I don't want to stay home all the time because it's just, you know, the kids or whatever it is. And just seeing with people every now and then, it's it's also helpful. So um, to me, actually, this transition looks pretty healthy and also the balance that we have here. <laughs> I must say, it's also compelling to me very much. <laughs> I
1: would say it's a really f- weird and funny paradox that couple of years ago you were staying at home for your to improve your well-being and now you go to work to improve your well-being. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> but it's really it's I mean it's really interesting because it really plays to what we have to offer. We've always said in all of our company history it's like we're not like we're not just we don't rent desks. We give you access to a community. So as you said, it's not the the value proposition changes. We don't bring people to our co-working space so they have like a to have you know ass on seat as you say in like corporate language but it's to actually provide additional value you know you don't come to just have a desk you have a desk at home probably you come for the community the other people you meet for the inspiration you get at at lunch or for the cool event or for being able to meet in like a in in a different setting or you know and uh, it's being inspired, being connected with others and maybe even learning something um, to do a better job. And I think that's the value proposition that, to come, that you come to Impact Hub for rather than I'm going to rent a desk because you can always get a, get a desk cheaper somewhere else. Even yeah. though we I like that to come expensive.
1: to our co-work for a good coffee, for example. There you go. <laughs> we'll also have great coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I would check it out.
0: <laughs> Co- coffee becomes like uh, one of the the, the biggest like yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> filters be before you decide on something. Okay, uh, guys, um, my biggest takeaway from from today's conversation was uh, around the topic of being partnership ready. Uh, I really liked what you said, but said about said about this paradigm shift, at least for pre seed seed stage companies, that this might be like more valuable. Um, or a better predictor of the success of a company than uh, funding itself. But obviously we need to keep in mind that balance is important and you, at some point you need the money to, yes. to sustain, sustain yourself. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Leon, for, for being with us today. Uh, it was a pleasure talking with you. And uh, yeah, just last thing, like, what's the best way to, to, to approach you? Um,
2: first of all, thanks a lot as well. Uh, it was really fun talking to you. Uh, it was really great. Um, great conversation. Uh, I think the best way to approach me is just find me on LinkedIn and, and shoot me a message. Uh, it's always easy. Um, I won't answer immediately because there's a bit coming in, but I'll get back,
0: definitely. As long as someone is not so vague <laughs> <laughs> with their <laughs> requests. Be precise, people. Cool. Thank you so much uh, for being with us today. Thank you so much, guys, for listening and stay tuned for the next episodes. Thank you. Thank you.